Welcome to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We hope you will be encouraged and challenged today as you listen to a message from one of our speakers. Prepare your heart and get ready to receive a word from God today. Good morning, everybody. My name is Mark Pope. I'm the lead pastor at the church. Really nice to see you guys today. Thanks for joining us, whether you're here in the auditorium or one of the venues, chapel, different places. Hey, you guys, hope everything's going well. Uh, I do hope that you will take a look at the different service opportunities for 24 hours to love our city. Uh, I think it's a super important time for us as the church to not be disengaging from helping people. We've got to figure out how to get out there and help people. It's what Christians do and so Kathy Smarella and her team have figured out uh, several great ways we can serve our community and so I believe they all come in two-hour blocks so you don't have to serve the whole 24 hours grab up grab an idea uh, two-hour block and serve and we can make a difference and I think it's just a great time to be doing that in a in the COVID-19 situation with all that stuff going on we need to be out there trying to figure out how to make a difference uh, there are other opportunities in your program or online. Make sure you're going to the vineyard.info, checking things out. I guess I'll plug one. Can I plug one? Sure, I can. I'll plug um, In a week or so, I'm going to start working on our fall series, which is called Asking for a Friend. And so go to the vineyard.info and, and uh, fill out a survey. And it's basically, what are some of the questions... The unanswered questions that people have that keep them from God or, or make their relationship with God struggle. And I, and I really would love it. Uh, we're going to open up this survey for, from now, I think, until Thursday. If you could go and give us some ideas of what are those questions, those situations that keep people from God, we're going to try to help. Um, regarding the offering, things are still going pretty well. Our offerings are down a little bit at the church but we're still doing uh, uh, pretty well. We appreciate your generosity. Um, and if you would, if you have a prayer list, you could pray for the next day or two uh, for the board of the church. We're considering giving a gift out of our savings uh, to a ministry in India. By the way, if you think COVID is, brings challenges to America, you just go to a third world country and try to figure out how life goes on. And so... We're connected to a ministry partner there. They're in a, a crisis. They're trying to figure out how to do great ministry to thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of people. And so I share that, one that you'll pray, but also thanks a ton for all the times you're generous to the church because it helps us when we find needs, not just in our local community, but in the world. It helps us consider maybe we can help the body of Christ in another place. So uh, <laughs> that's just... It's a great place to be. So thanks for your generosity. Let's pause and pray about the offering. Father, I do pray that you would help us make the right decision regarding this opportunity in India. Um, and we pray uh, for the board as we consider those things. And as uh, usual, I pray that as most of us this weekend, as many of us this weekend, will give you an offering We'll just be responsible. We'll give a portion of what you've given us back to you. We hope that you feel loved and honored. We hope that our offering is, is pleasing to you. Because you're the source of all things. And you deserve 
uh, us to give back to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We're going to be in the book of Luke, the gospel of Luke, chapter 17. If you're new to the Bible, the Bible's kind of split into two halves. There's the Old Testament, which is before Jesus, and then there's the New Testament, which is the story of the life of Jesus and after Jesus. And the first four books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you may have heard of those. Uh, those are the, the stories of Jesus, and Luke is the third book in the New Testament. It's the story of Jesus' life. Luke 17 is where we're going to land. The introductory thought is I'm going to give you a glimpse into my neighbor's life. They don't know I'm talking about them, but I'm going to talk about them anyway. We live across the street from a family dairy farm. And so uh, here is a picture of my neighbors. I asked them to go out into a wheat field that I might take their... No, I didn't. I just snuck up on them through the internet. You can find out all kinds of things about people. And uh, they're really great neighbors, nice folks, and they run this pretty big dairy farm. The next images are just, you know, dairy farm life, I guess. If you look to the upper right-hand corner, that is cow number 288. They have a lot of cows. Um, they have hundreds of cows that need to be milked twice a day. They farm hundreds of acres. I guess it's probably thousands of it, Huge equipment, lots of uh, work. Um, and recently they started now uh, a creamery out of their home store business thing that doesn't just have a store there at the farm. Anybody heard of Crystal Springs Cream? Yeah, you've been. That's when you're at. You're at my house. Just come across the street. Stop in. Um, uh, close, not right across the catty corner. Anyway, uh, and so it's really this kind of cool place, and it's been going. It's really busy, and so they're open six days a week doing that. And then they've got trucks because now they're distributing to different places. Anyway, I use them as an example of ready people that work a lot. They just work a lot. The other night it was almost dark, probably legitimately dark kind of a thing, and I was out for a walk, and there was Tim, my neighbor, the head of the household. He's still out on his monster lawn tractor, like, just, I'm not even sure, how do you even see the lines, Tim, but he's, you know, mowing his lawn, keeping that nice. I was in another conversation last week, maybe, maybe two weeks ago. Stopped over to ask him a question and interacted with one of the uh, younger sons there. He's not a, the older I get, everybody's young. He's actually probably, I don't know, 25, and he's got one little kid, a newly, newly married uh, guy, really nice guy. And when I pulled in and I said he was, sometimes they'll run from barn to barn. You know, so he was, I don't know if he was running, but he was moving quickly toward a barn. I said, hey, so what's going on? And, and he said, oh, headed to the barn, got to get, you know, just to get a few things done. But the context of that made me think, because he was headed to the barn, it was already 7.30 p.m. I'm sure he'd been up since early. And here was the thing that struck me about that brief interaction, and this is pretty common. 
when he said, just head, just head to the barn, get a few things done. He was smiling. I mean, just, he was like, just going to the barn, get a few things done. I mean, it wasn't that big, but I was like, and it made me think. I, I used that to introduce a question. What is my perspective on work? <laughs> Did somebody just groan? Someone in the auditorium just groaned. Oh, what's my perspective on, by the way, it's not my, what's your perspective on like work? And can I just say like working hard? Some of you are thinking, I don't, I don't like church today. I want to go home. I know that my perspective is not always great. Uh, example, sometimes I'll come home, not even after a super long day, a ministry day, work or whatever, and I'll get home. And we have a rule in our house. It's the dishwasher rule, which means if you open the dishwasher door and the dishes are clean, then you're the one who has to put them away. And there are times I'll come home. I mean, it's not like, this wasn't a 14-hour day or anything. And I'll, like, be thinking, oh, and I just, you know, got a glass of milk. And I think, oh, I'll put it in the dishwasher, and I'll click the dish, and I'll open it. I'll be like, oh, no. <laughs> I've got set up. What are you talking, like, for an extra four minutes out of my life? But I am like, oh, I can't believe I got stuck with these thousands of dishes having <laughs> some st some studies indicate that up to 85% of people hate their jobs now I'll, I'll give you a thought in there i would submit to you that a lot of people that hate their jobs it's not mostly the job's fault. You know, we live in a country, we live in a country where there are people all over the world would love to have a job like that. Part of the reasons we're struggling with our job stuff is not because the jobs are so bad. It's our perspective on work is, needs adjustment. Some of you are like, I really don't like this church thing today. But that's true. It's true. I'm going to go spiritual on you for a moment. Listen, service, work, hard work is part of the kingdom of God. It's part of who God is. In John 5, 17, Jesus said of his father, our father, he said, my father is always at his work to this very day. And Jesus said, and I too am working. When Jesus called the 12 apostles and other people to follow him, when he called the apostles and he said, come and follow me, none of them said, well, is this like a part-time thing? I got about four hours a day, but after that, my energy level goes down. It's not the way it was a full-time life thing. In Matthew 20, the conversation was centered, on, centered around who's going to be great in the kingdom of God. And Jesus said, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant a servant serves goes on to say 
Whoever wants to be first must be your slave. A slave works. Hold that thought. We're in a series called Kingdom Stories, and we're going to look at a parable about a servant and having a servant attitude and a servant heart. I have never taught on this parable. This parable has been challenging me for years and years and years, but I've never taught on it. I've actually never heard anyone else teach on it. So we're, I'm, uh, the context is Jesus is teaching about what it is to be a servant. Uh, it's talking about the kingdom of God. He's helping us understand what it is to be a follower of him. And uh, here's what he says in Luke 17, beginning in verse 7. It's a parable. It's a word picture to teach us. And it says, suppose one of you has a servant plowing or looking after the sheep. Will he say to the servant when he comes in from the field, come along now and sit down to eat? Won't he rather say, prepare my supper, get yourself ready and wait on me while I eat and drink? After that, you may eat and drink. Will he thank the servant because he did what he was told to do? So you also, when you have done everything you were told to do, should say, we are unworthy servants. We have only done our duty. It's a pretty brief parable. Let's read it again. Suppose one of you has a servant plowing or looking after the sheep. Will he say to the servant when he comes in from the field, come along now and sit down to eat? Won't he rather say, prepare my supper, get yourself ready, and wait on me while I eat and drink? After that, you may eat and drink. Will he thank the servant because he did what he was told to do? So you also, when you have done everything you were told to do, should say, we are unworthy servants. We have only done our duty. Title of the talk is A Servant's Heart, Parable of the Humble Slave. And I, I see two characteristics of two characteristics of this servant, I think, that uh, kind of uh, give us an example of an excellent servant heart. Before I pray for the rest of the talk, this is a really big deal, you guys. How we approach work is going to affect your attitude the rest of your life. Some of you that are younger, how you approach work is going to make a huge difference on your financial picture in five years or 10 years. Or some of you will live to be 50 years of Jesus. This is a big deal. A third of our adult life for many of us is going to be uh, centered around working. Wouldn't it be great to have a nice attitude toward it instead of begrudgingly go through our life whining? So I think there's some good stuff in this text. Let me pray and we'll explore it. Father, it's a big deal. Um, and we need your help. So much of life involves service and work. Our family life takes work. Our uh, professional life takes work. Finances take work. Our spiritual life takes work. So will you talk to us about the right attitude toward it? In Jesus' name, amen. 
two characteristics of a great servant attitude. The first thing, if you'd like to write something down, it'd be this. A great servant attitude embraces multitasking or multitasking. Doing lots of different things. Notice the potential assignments to the servant in the parable. Suppose one of you has a servant plowing or looking after sheep. Later it's preparing my supper or waiting on me while I eat. And verse 10 says, when you have done everything, you could arguably insert when you've done anything that you were told to do. What I'm pointing out is all the different possibilities that a servant may have to do. There's all kinds of stuff. Um, some of you have job descriptions at work. How many of you have job descriptions? How many of you have a job? The three of you, thank you for carrying us economically. You three have jobs. No. Um, right? Most of our job descriptions, I think, have on the job description this phrase at some point, and other duties as assigned. How many of your job descriptions have, and other, right? And by the way, you may have to do whatever it takes to get the job done. Here's what I would tell you. In the kingdom of God, in our spiritual job description for Jesus Christ, that phrase, can you put it up on the screen again? It has it. That's on our job description. And other duties as assigned. Whatever God needs done. I was thinking of the disciples. How many different things that they were asked to do. Up on the screen will be just a list. There are times they were asked to be a healer, a, a, an exorcist, a crowd controller, a food server. When Jesus was multiplying the fish and bread, right? Get your serve on. They were just, what are you doing today? Put on this, what's the thing that you put on if you're serving? Apron, thank you. I was thinking of bib. And I'm like, that's not right. Put, put a bib on and go, okay, anyway. Food server, a prayer, a preacher, a grocery shopper. At one point, it says the disciples went into town to go up to buy bread or buy food. The last one, and we're going to explore this a little bit, a donkey fetcher. That was their big assignment one day. Go fetch me a donkey. I don't know if Jesus ever said fetch. But in, in Luke 19, here's their assignment. Go to the village ahead of you. As you enter it, you will find a colt. Other Gospels tell us it was a donkey. It was a mule tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Here's your big job. Untie it, bring it, and bring it here. They are donkey getters. Now, just to understand a little more of the context, nine chapters before, so that was months before, these men whose big job now is to go and retrieve a donkey... They had been endued with power from on high. They had given the capacity to overcome. Here's a text where Jesus describes what he had done for them. He says, I've given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions, which is Bible talk for everything that the enemy can throw at you and everything that hurts people. And to overcome all the power of the enemy, nothing will harm you. In that same setting, there was a transformation in the disciples' life so they went out into the countryside and they healed every sick person they came across. They preached the gospel. These were big. They could confront any demon and win 
part of their skill set is to be super spiritual winners and do some of the most things that we would say some of the most important things. That was nine chapters before. And today, I wonder if they ever woke up in the morning knowing all the skills that Jesus Christ had given them and thought, I wonder what our big assignment will be today. You know, but today, maybe today, the assignment will be to raise someone from the dead. And But on this day, the t- big assignment for the day, what are we doing today? Go get me a donkey. I almost said an ass, which would be bad in church. But that's what they would have called it. But the King James Version said, is this online? I am so sorry. That Right? Right? This is your big job. Go get a donkey. The King James Version years ago, I think, said, I just said it, didn't I? I said it. That was their big assignment for the day. And well, here's what I love about the disciples. There's no record of them ever going, nah, I'm above this. Are you kidding? Did you not see what I did yesterday? They just do it. Fill in the blank. Even the elite Apostles embraced their lesser tasks. And they're not the only ones who modeled this. Jesus Christ himself did this. In John 13, this is when Jesus was about to go to the cross, and he was sharing the last supper with, just about to share the last, I think he had shared the last supper with the disciples. And it says, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. Pause. Jesus knows he's the man. He's the savior of the world. He was part of the creative process of the universe. He knows all that about himself. And so what does he do? And it says he gets up, takes off his outer garment, wraps a towel around his waist, and starts washing the disciples' feet. Just modeling. He was even Christ himself was not above. In fact, what he modeled was service. Jesus set an example of service without boundaries. And by the way, I would bet that the disciples' feet were way more gnarly than that foot. Right? So here's a question. How am I responding to humble tasks? Just to bring this idea into the room. How am I responding to humble tasks? And I'm saying, some of us, you know, you may have a position. You may be a boss or the business owner. I'm not saying don't be a leader. You need to be a leader. And I'm not saying don't be those, do those leadership things. But at the same time, be a leader. Be a boss that's willing to get their hands dirty as well. A great servant attitude embraces multitasking. And I want to do one other challenge. There might be a little bit of a rub with this, this idea of service. Folks, 
in the midst, and this is, I'm going to direct some of this to, toward those of us online, if you're secluding yourself. This idea of serving others and serving God, is there is not an out. It doesn't say serve God and work hard except when there's a pandemic. We have got to figure out. Now, I'm not going to get into the details. I don't know how you work it all out. But I know that when we stand before God someday and he looks at the, the, our service record, it would be tragic to find this six-month period in 2020 and God says, well, what were you doing then? And you said, oh, I, I just didn't do anything because I was afraid of, didn't you know, God, that the COVID? And I'm telling you, it is not, I don't know the details of it, but we've still got to wrestle. You've got to wrestle with God. How am I still going to serve the world? How am I still going to serve my neighbor? How am I still going to serve? How am I going to figure out something so I'm doing something for the kingdom and moving it forward? And I'm not going to tell you exactly what that is, but you've got to figure out something. Service is what Christians do. We have to figure out what am I going to do to make a difference. We live in a world, you know I'm off my notes right now, don't you? But we live in a world that's in desperate need for someone who cares, who loves, who serves, who helps. And when the world may shrink back, the Bible says we're not a people that shrink back. We have to figure out how to still be helpful in the midst of that. And so just keep wrestling with that. Keep figuring it out because it's too important. The world needs us too badly to, to stop. The light has got to stay on. Because we're talking not just, we're not just talking life and death. We're talking about eternity, not eternity. And that trumps the, the, the scariness of the illness at times, okay? So we've got to keep pressing in on that. No, don't, don't encourage me. Stop encouraging me. Stop it. It's, but it's super important. Okay, so let's move to the second point. Second point, a great servant attitude expects no accolades. If you don't like the word accolades, you can put expects no applause. The last phrase, verse 10, when you've done everything you were told to do, you should say, we are unworthy servants. We have only done our duty. Do you feel the humility of that statement? Just like, I'm just... I'm just here to do my duty. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> um, there's something endearing about a person who serves and works, and yet when it comes time for needing applause of people, they're like, no, no, I'm good. I just am here to help. Uh, you know, the, one of the things I thought of was when there's uh, like a professional athlete, when it's evident to all kinds of people that they've worked hard and that they have a high skill set, and somebody will come up to them after like the big win, they win the World Cup or they win the something, blah, big thing, and they'll be like the MVP, and someone will put a microphone in their face and say something like, yeah, you're the winning goal person, you're Mr. Mrs. Amazing, you're phenomenal, wow, what do you think? And isn't it great when they say, you know what, I'm just honored to be out here playing, just trying to do my part as a team member. Isn't that cool when they do that? It's just, 
honorable. It just makes you like them more. Something attractive about that. I also want to talk about here with not needing the applause of other people. There is something healthy about us just serving because we're created to serve whether anyone acknowledges us or not. It is healthier for us emotionally. One of the things that will steal the joy of service is us waiting for someone to acknowledge our service. Does that make sense? I'm going to give you actually two reasons why human attention is short-lived. First, first, let me just admit, when, <laughs> when we serve or do different things, sometimes it's easy to just want someone to pat us on the back. Maybe it's just me. I'm sure you're all better at, that, at this than I am. But if and when I do empty the dishwasher, I just want my wife to notice. I want to post it online. Hey, did you see that? The dishwasher is empty. I wonder who did that. Or does there... Yesterday I was mowing the lawn and I uh, was just finishing up and my wife was coming home from work and she pulled in the driveway just as I was done with the lawn and I thought, yes! Because she saw me out mowing the lawn. Just None of you feel that way? No, you're just going to let me. But it's not, the, it's not the best place to live is to not worry about whether other people see what you're doing. Because, here's, human attention is short-lived because what if they don't notice? And then you're honked off for the rest of the day. Didn't you see that I, what would happen if I said, hey honey, just so you know, I emptied the dishwasher. And she said, so what? What do you mean, so what? Does that, because we, it's not the best way to live is to want acknowledgement for other people. That can ruin, right? Welcome to divorce court. She did not acknowledge that I made the bed or whatever. So what if they don't notice? Then you're in a bind and you're all messed up because you, right? It's not the best way to live. The other thing why human attention is short-lived is because if we focus too much on that, we miss moments with God. Listen, God comes close to people who serve because he's asked them to serve, who are willing to serve and don't need the attention of everyone else. In fact, you can write this in. God comes close to humble service. It's what he does. It's what he acknowledges. When no one else... When no one else sees what you have done, rest assured, God has seen your service. And I'm not making that up. And you, if you read in Matthew 6, Jesus is teaching about those who get rewarded from God. And he says, starting in verse 1, he says, Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father 
in heaven. That's the topic sentence for 18 verses that come following that. And you can read them in Matthew 6. And from there, he does three different teachings. The first one is on giving, and then on praying, and then on fasting. And that all sounds like work, doesn't it? Right? Giving and praying and fast. But he, in the midst of that, in, after every little teaching, he says, Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. That's after the giving and then after the praying. Same sentence, same words. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. After faith. Then your Father, three times in the section, he just, which is a, a, a narrative, a biblical way of emphasizing a truth that is super, super important. It's three times. Your Father sees what is done in secret. You can write this in. When it seems like we are working alone, God is coming alongside. He sees it. Especially when we're working alone, when we're serving alone, when we're doing it in secret. And it's really an opportunity to have fellowship with God. This is dishwasher weekend. When I open the dishwasher and see, see the dishes, it's an opportunity for me if I just say, oh God, I want someone to watch me. Whoops, why did it get dark in here? I have no idea. Is the Lord coming back? Bye, everybody. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> uh, if I open the dishwashing dishwasher... It really is an opportunity for me to go, I want someone to notice. And if I think if I just had better fellowship with God or the days that I am, I think God looks down and he says, I'm watching. When you help your neighbor, when you do those things that no one else sees, the Father is like, I'm watching you. And I'm going to reward you for those things. So here's a challenge to finish up this point. Do something this week with just God in mind. Do it today. Do something for someone. They may not even know you did it. And just remember, I'm just doing this just because. Because God's created us to serve. And enjoy the fellowship. I think when we do those things, in some, some moments, that's the most like Christ we will ever be. Because he's still to this day, most people in our world, can I say this? I think it's true. Most people in our world still never acknowledge the work of Jesus. Never did, may, ne may never will, but Jesus still did it. So a great servant attitude embraces multitasking and expects no accolades. Why don't you stand? Thanks for listening to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We pray you were impacted by this message. God bless and see you next time.